Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. And welcome to episode 128 of Writer on the Road. It's been a while since I've done an introduction, everybody, but I wanted to introduce a topic that's really important to me over the next little while. We're looking at bringing on a sponsor for the month and it's Cassandra Gaysford, uh, a good friend of mine from New Zealand. We'll be promoting and supporting her book, Mind Your Drink, The Surprising Joy of Sobriety. Control alcohol, discover freedom, find happiness and change your life. Uh, Now this is something that I feel very strongly about as I good heavens, head out of my 50s into my 60s and reclaiming a life that um, hasn't been totally mine for many years because of raising families and all those sorts of fun things. And over those years, I have rewarded myself with a glass of wine or two or worse, sometimes even three as as you get through your days and you, you continue with your jobs and careers and our writing and all those kinds of things and Alcohol has become a bit of a normal part in my life and I'm guessing other people's lives as well and I don't think we talk about it enough. There was an article in the Sydney Morning Herald here in Australia recently and it talked about grey area drinkers and I think that uh, covers a lot of us. We're not alcoholics by any stretch of the imagination but we're certainly not total abstainers either and I thought over the month of September if we can just pay a little bit more attention to what we're drinking, uh, where we're drinking why and when, uh, those wonderful uh, words that we all use as writers, it would be interesting to see uh, what we think at the end of the month. So thank you, Cassandra, for sponsoring us for the month. And as we have our podcast chat today, we get more and more animated and it's towards the end that uh, Cassandra becomes really, really passionate and talks about how the advertising of the big alcohol companies uh, really takes over our mindset and how it's impacting on our children and how money uh, becomes more important than our health. Cassandra's a psychologist. She knows a lot about this kind of stuff. Um, but if if you do have the time, please listen to the end because she really does get into it and I, and I love her all the more for it. Okay, that's it from me. Uh, sit back, have a listen, make sure that you have a nice hot chocolate or a glass of water as you listen to this one uh, as we try to be more aware of, of what we're drinking and, and how much we are drinking. And welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today I've got back a very dear friend who every time we chat we tend to get a bit carried away, so bear with us. But our topic today is so very, very important. Uh, I have with me the most beautiful Cassandra Gaysford. Hi, Cassandra. Hi, Melinda. Hi. Uh, now, Cassandra is a well-known author of both fiction and uh, non-fiction. She's a speaker, she's a trained psychologist, she's an artist and so many other things. Um, I've had Cassandra on the podcast so many times now that I think everybody knows her. Uh, Cassandra's holding up her fingers and saying two, but I think it's actually four. Oh. Um, so, yeah, we talk too much and we go on. But the topic we've got happening today is something that's very dear to my heart and it's called Mind Your Drink, The Surprising Joy of Sobriety. Control alcohol, discover freedom, find happiness and change your life. Cassandra, it's a book we all need to read. Yeah, well, I think um, alcohol touches everyone's lives in some way, and sometimes it's a positive association. Um, my book's not preaching abstinence. Um, I'm really just talking about, um, well, sobriety is just being sober. You can have a nice glass of wine with friends, and you're not losing the plot, getting aggressive or depressed. Um, so I think what I'm really talking about or really hoping to do, share with people is to change our, our, our attitude to alcohol, our relationship with alcohol. And, you know, there's a myth, particularly amongst many writers, I was reading something where somebody said, well, there's nothing good to be said about sobriety. What a load of nonsense. 
Well, it's it's interesting, and there was an article recently that I forwarded to Cassandra, everyone in mm. the Morning Herald, and it it was in those weekend magazines where you get to sit and drink a glass of wine and read. Uh, but it was about uh, the grey area of drinking, and it's really interesting. We're not talking about alcoholism, and we're not talking about abstinence. We're talking about that grey area, and that's very much where I fit in, and that's why I'm so excited to have Cassandra on today, because over the years. That grey area stretches and I know, <laughs> yeah, I know there's a lot of people who are like me who get to 7 o'clock at night and our relaxant is a glass of wine on the veranda with a, with a book or whatever we're doing and we veg out and we take that as perfectly acceptable and normal because we've earned it. Uh, but in this article in the Sydney Morning Herald on the weekend, everybody, it actually says it's quite a problem and especially among women uh, in that sort of 30-plus age up to where I am and, and beyond. And it's got, it quotes a lot of people and they say that they didn't realise they had a problem and they didn't consider it a problem. But mm. when they looked at their alcohol consumption, it really is quite large. But because mm. it's socially acceptable uh, mm. and almost expected that nobody's talking about it. And it was only by scratching the surface myself that I discovered, well, there are quite a lot of people who are writing about it. There are dozens of books and it's quite a fashion, uh, especially in the American market. And now we've got your book as well that slots in very nicely. Uh, today I want to talk about not so much that, that end, oh, you're a drunk and you've got to go to AA type person. Mm. I want to talk about the rest of us and, and the health benefits and, and the health damage that we do to ourselves by that regular nightly a uh, few glasses of wine. Now, remember, everyone, if I'm being honest, I guess some of the rest of us can be too. It's not ever, it's never one glass of wine. It's always two or three glasses mm. of wine. Um, mm. Over to you, um, because I could prattle on all day and it's your 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 turn to speak. Well, I'd say, yeah, everybody, um, and some of these books about um, who have really preached the abstinence story have been saying, well, alcohol is uh, a horror drink, it tastes disgusting, rah rah and most of us know it's a damn nice drink, it tastes good, we like it, and some people, and alcohol companies work very, very hard to make it taste good, look good, and um, preach to us the health benefits of old stable heart disease and all sorts of things, that wine in moderation is fine. They even preach that you can um, be pregnant and drink in some cases, which is absolute danger when you drink too much. And I think it's more, because it tastes so good, and some writers are talking about pinking of alcohol, so it's no surprise that alcohol has become a problem for women, particularly because it's um, been marketed to grow a um, male market is saturated, so they thought, who could we turn to? And it's children or teenagers and women. And so we have all these lovely lolly-looking drinks, etc., or drinks that have a lot of sugar. So a lot of people don't realise the reason that they perhaps struggle to control drink is because of the sugar content, which is just increasing in a lot of um, drinks. So I realised I loved drinking the, the sweet German Rieslings. And I'd always say, what's the sweetest wine you've got? And I didn't actually realise it was because I was addicted to sugar that in some people equate sugar with being as addictive as heroin, um, that it's just really, really insidious. So it's no wonder, um, it's not like we're raving drunks, it's just we've got this craving that alcohol companies know full well and are exploiting. Yeah. Now, Cassandra, you've touched on quite a few things there. Probably six of my questions all rolled into one. I want to talk about young people in a little bit because as a teacher, mm. I see some really scary things happening and, mm. and the acceptability of Schoolies Week and all those things where mm. they almost give themselves permission to go out and write themselves off. But yeah. Just, yeah, you touched on women and and the pinking of, I guess, drinking. Mm. Now, a lot of us are entrepreneurial now. A lot of us are achieving in the workplace. And mm. men traditionally have gone together to network and drink. Yeah. And now it seems that women as well. Um, it's almost like a badge of honour that you're successful if you go out for drinks. Is that, is that mm. more and more mm. where we're turning? 
It's just a habit, isn't it? It's just it's a norm that we haven't challenged. Why why do we have to meet and drink alcohol? Why can't we meet? Like I've written also books which have really great, yummy, alcohol-free drinks. Um, Mind Your Mojitos is one of my books. So, you know, I'm really talking about being mindful about what you're drinking. And you can be, there's some fantastic drinks that are non-alcohol, um, non-alcoholic. You know, I'm so sick of going to functions and you get this sort of horrible, really acidic orange juice and that's all there is. So no wonder we'll go for the wine because I really hate that kind of, I don't know, pulpy orange juice um, full of sort of preservatives and concentrate. But you can... Um, you don't have to go to these functions and drink, and nor do you have to make a big scene about I'm not drinking. Uh, sometimes, you know, you can have things that, remember Clayton's? Did you have Clayton's in Australia? The drink when you're not drinking. <laughs> you can you can drink and you can have a really nice, um, sophisticated, even soda water is really beautiful to drink in a crystal glass. So I just think it's a habit. It's a habit we haven't questioned. And very often the strategy to, to being more mindful about your drinking is to think, well, how do I feel after I have these drinks? Like initially it might be fun, you might suddenly this sort of the introverted side is, is drowned out with alcohol and you're the life of the party. But what about the morning after or what about some foolish antics or things you say when you have too much or what about talking about young women, but not just young women, um, women who get themselves in compromising positions sexually um, because their guard is down because what alcohol does is it's, it's affecting your brain and it turns off the things that are meant to protect you. So it makes you, you know, it lowers um, inhibitions, it lowers your defences, um, and, of course, it's also a well-known, not marketed by alcohol companies, but it is a well-known depressant that, for many people, increases suicidal tendencies. So it's a very, very dangerous substance. Yeah, and, and this is everybody where we get a little bit more serious because I've always been a long lunch champagne kind of girl, especially way back when I lived on tropical islands and had swimming pools. Um, and it was a lifestyle and I used to love my writing and I used to love my long lunches and a bottle of champagne, never saw anything wrong with it whatsoever and there isn't. But when you have children and people and children are very observant things and they see you associating good times with alcohol mm -hmm. and quite often we'll pack up the eskies and we'll go over to, you know, the bush somewhere and in our eskies there'll be a bottle of champagne or a bottle of wine. Constantly that association of good times and alcohol can send a very clear message, can't it? Mm, that's right. That's how we're, we're socialised. So somebody said, how can you have fun without alcohol? So it's really interesting. Are, are people seeing that you can't have fun unless you're drinking, which is absolutely rubbish. If you ask anyone that's committed to sobriety, many of them are having a hell of a lot more fun. They're saving a lot of money. Their relationships are enriched. They've got more energy. They don't have that sort of telltale sign of skin kind of because what you what you consume obviously manifests in your physical well-being. So if you drink too much, you often can see the telltale signs, bloating, and, you know, it's a, it's, it is a diuretic, so it's, so it, um, is that the right word when it dries you? It's drying, which is why when you've drunk too much, you often wake up with a really dry mouth and you're, like, really parched, and you it's drying you out, so it dries your skin. It's very ageing. Um, and a lot of people, many times they have to, not have to, but they choose to find other strategies to kind of help them through whatever's causing them to drink. So sometimes people are drinking because of social anxiety. You know, they, they just feel very anxious socially and so they, they try to sort of lubricate themselves up. And so, you know, there are different, different ways to manage social anxiety. Some of that's through therapy, some of that's through meditating, some of that's through spirituality, some of that's by being with people who actually don't need you to drink or pretend to be someone you're not. They love you for who you are. So many times your friendships will change because some people are confronted by people who don't drink. Yeah. yeah. I'm sitting here listening to you. Yeah. I'm, li I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, wow, 
I don't have social anxiety as much as it's a glorious day and I'm sitting around my pool and I want a glass of wine. Uh, and a lot of, I think, my writing friends, we use it as a, a celebratory thing. Wow, we've done our 5,000 words today. Let's go and celebrate. Yeah, or, a reward. Yeah, it's a reward thing and yeah. it makes you feel good at the time and then you can go and have a little siesta. And, you know, there, there are so many positives associated with the imagery around um mm. and of course around drinking and alcohol but I, I am concerned and i want to bring you back to that whole uh, message that we send out to to our young people uh and i notice it because i've got teenagers going into a, adulthood now mm. and they neither of them drink but a lot of their peers um and certainly from a young age and especially um i don't want to name schools or anything but <laughs> in those senior years that binge, binge drinking yes, for our yeah. underage drinkers and drugs yeah. as well is yeah. really, really common and they see nothing wrong with it at all because yeah. quite often their parents buy it for them. Uh, yeah. Quite often they see that as a rite of passage mm-hmm. and quite often they're imitating uh, the adults that they've seen around them. Now, mm-hmm. I go back, I guess, to our growing up and it wasn't People didn't go out to restaurants all the time. People didn't go out on yachts all the time. People didn't have the wealth and the affluence. So you didn't see everywhere you turned, you didn't see the imbibing of alcohol at restaurants, I guess, uh, as normal. And I wonder what that message is that we're sending to our kids. Yeah, well, I guess it comes back to, you know, is drinking a problem? So where you're talking about, you know, having a nice social time that's lovely and everyone's all good, no one's, like, having... um, attacking each other and it's all all happy families right so I don't consider that problem drinking and it doesn't sound like you do either I think it's a problem becomes a problem when there are um, negative consequences of that drinking and many times people don't realize until they suddenly wake up and think gosh what the hell have I gotten myself into so when you're getting like for example the people that used to live next door to us used to invite teenagers over. Their son was about 15 or 16 for a supervised party and kegs and kegs and kegs of alcohol was ordered in. Um, Kids were vomiting on the lawn. You know, really, is vomiting, is, is that? And a lot of people think that's cool. You drink a yard glass for your 21st and you drink it in one go and then you might vomit it and you have to drink your puke really is you know is and I think what's happening is people are starting to question is that cool and admittedly not everyone's clear people are still stuck in that kind of thing that binge drinking is you know wow I'm cool I'm getting drunk but I would say if we started to question it is it is that what cool is? And now more and more soda is becoming the new cool with young people because of their health, their well-being goals, their career goals, or because they've grown up with alcohol um, being a problem because their mother or father is an alcoholic or a friend went to prison because of alcohol abuse or friends committed suicide because of alcohol abuse. Or, Melinda, I write in my book about a, a, a mother whose daughter died from binge drinking. People don't realise people actually die from alcohol poisoning. I mean, you just have to look at what happened to Amy Winehouse. Died of drinking too much vodka in one session. So um, that's the question. What message are we sending out? And are we actually, are we reporting enough about alcohol harm in young people and women Um, and men, because the alcohol companies are very, very manipulative um, and very proactive about keeping their profits. So what you're seeing more and more are people telling stories about what's cool about being sober, and you've got some really good thought leaders out there singing a new message to kids. So, you know, my daughter's 27. She's modelling, role-modelling my thing, which is I I don't really drink. For her, she got all sorts of mental, um, she's very sensitive. She was diagnosed as having mild bipolar disorder. Um, it was triggered by, and many mental illnesses are triggered by alcohol. It's, you know, it's just uh, a known fact. So we're thinking about why have we got so much anxiety, depression and suicide in Australia, New Zealand, America? Why is nobody really pointing the finger at the lower alcohol drinking age? 
you know, why is that? No one's making that note very publicly and doing something about it. And I'll tell you why, because the booze barren lobbyists are making sure that message is suppressed. Yeah, and it's interesting you talk about the booze barren lobbyists. I like how it rolls <laughs> off the tongue. I like that. And, and I think there is a... The millionaires and billionaires, yes. Yeah. And it's illegal. It's a legal drug. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mum used to smoke and she used to get crucified for smoking. And I think when she died, mm-hmm. I think the packet of cigarettes was costing us something like $45. Mm-hmm. Uh, why have we um, banned smoking and mm-hmm. yet praised alcohol when mm-hmm. they're, both, they're both, you know, causing huge social problems? And, exactly. And being probably alcohol more, more of a problem than, than smoking, if you like. Totally. And, and it doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. I first noticed it. Uh, we moved to Ireland, uh, probably. Oh gosh, it'd be ten years ago now. And the alcohol was available. And I was shocked because it wasn't here in Australia then. But it's probably a bit more like that now. But you could buy mm. it in the supermarkets. You pulled in to um, fill your petrol bottles, mm. and there was alcohol available there. There wasn't a place you went where you mm. could grab your alcohol and go. And that mm. was really common. And mm. you know we. There was a lot of um, social issues around violence and alcoholism and domestic violence and all those kinds of things. And I thought, yeah. is it because it's freely available? Yeah, and, and it's legalised and there are vested interests in keeping it so and there's a large tax take, but I'd be interesting if you compared the tax take with the social harm and not all of it is, is uh, monetised, but the social harm is horrific. And even um, our council in Wellington, um, I don't know if you call it the same thing, but, you know, it governs the whole of Wellington, they took the New Zealand police to court. Can you believe this? The government body took the the New Zealand police to to court to prevent them from trying to reduce the um, hours that alcohol companies, you know, bars were open to because they wanted to be open till 5 a.m., you know, really taking the police to court who are trying to prevent alcohol harm because a lot of a lot of the um, the violence, etc., occurs in the early hours and drunks, you know, domestic violence, like you said, drunk driving and other um, fights and assaults. Really, you take the police to court and you spend over a hundred thousand um, dollars to uh, to defend your right to have bars open till five in the morning. So, yeah, there's very powerful forces. um, And I think you can't, I think the thing is people taking their power back. And the only way you're going to take your power back is to decide if alcohol is, drinking too much alcohol has become a problem for you. Nobody wants to be told not to drink. We know ourselves when it's taking a toll, maybe we're lethargic, maybe we're depressed, maybe we're demotivated. Um, our mutual friend Joanna Penn shared in one of her uh, podcasts how one time she drank too much and she was so annoyed with herself because she lost a whole day of productivity because she just drank too much wine. You know, we all know those days. We've drunk just too, yeah, it's all been a good time, but we drank too much. And we've lost a day, two days of really great writing time. That's when drinking is a problem. Yeah, now that's a really, that's where I wanted our conversation to head in that direction because we're writers Mm. and we work. And it's so easy to to finish your day off with oh yes I've done it I've had a glass of wine and I mentioned that earlier yeah it's, we don't none of us consider ourselves problem drinkers we, no. we love our lives we're at a stage where we're very comfortable in our own skins mm. I've got a question I've tried to like not have any alcohol at all now I do that all the time I'll go through these stages mm. where I'll have no alcohol mm. at all. And I'll wake up and I've always been a morning person um, way yeah. back. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'll be up at daylight, you know, when it's 5 o'clock in the morning yeah. and I feel great. And then yeah. if, I'm if I have those couple of glass of wines and everybody, it's usually after a day's teaching, I can tell you that right now. Uh, yeah. I wake up the next morning and I go, ah, oh, ah. Oh. You know, I just don't have that. And you mentioned it in your book. You don't have that. Um, you're not on top of your game. You're not mm. your capacity to think is is impaired a little bit and mm. it's only when you stop drinking altogether that you actually notice it so I wonder mm. whether half of us just go through our lives sort of half mm. and, well, and you, think it's normal yeah it's kind of like having if you imagine you've kind of got this sort of veil over you where you're not exactly your whole vibration your whole energy field is polluted I mean it's like walking around in a haze of smoke and you don't really realize it but you've got alcohol in your blood system you have it is um it's a well-known neurotoxin so you know a 
the toxin neuro the brain um you can i think it's good for people to become informed themselves and think what is alcohol it's a flammable it's a flammable substance that's actually a poison alcohol is a poison so if you've got alcohol in your system you have got poison in your system it'd be like watering your most cherished orchid with poison petrol right it's never going to flower and bloom beautifully it might might still sort of sit there not dead but it's kind of bit droopy looking lost its radiance well you know we're, we're not um far off being beautiful flowers and orchids so if, we, if we're not going to put the right mixture in our bodies yeah, we're going to be less than vibrant than we could be. That's just a fact. It's a scientific fact. Um, so it's up to us to choose. Do we want to be vibrant or half vibrant? That's yeah. fine. You can be <laughs> vibrant if you want. I think that whole vibrancy thing, I think we miss it. I think as we get older, we think, oh, it's just because we're getting older. But I no. actually think it's, as you said, we're poisoning ourselves. Now, we watch yeah. shows. I've been watching this wonderful show called Queer Eyes, and it's about, you know, <laughs> it's very popular apparently in any way, so I'm, I'm catching up slowly. Yeah. And it's about Queer these five eyes. guys who go in and they, they go into a man's house and they teach him to value himself. And, oh. and they look in the bathroom section and they go through his products and mm. what he's putting on his hair and quite often it's soap or a cheap, um, you know, mm. cheap shampoo from one of the big supermarkets. Mm. And then we start to talk about those things that they're putting on their skin and all yeah. the rest of it. And quite often in these um, shampoos and everything, as you said, they've got these petroleum-based chemicals mm. that mm. they're lathering on their their hair and we're all cringing mm. and going no 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 and mm. as soon as you said that we're drinking alcohol and we're wilting our little orchid flowers I went oh yes you're absolutely correct we don't think mm. about it when we pick up our glass of wine we don't go oh let's have this glass of poison well I do now I actually say oh do I feel like drinking petrol today um you know you can use a bit of humor if you want to bring awareness what we're talking about bringing mindfulness to what we're sticking in our bodies and it's the same with how many of us are more aware now to what food additives are being added you know is this a natural is it pretending is it a chameleon you know is it a fraudster um it's like alcohol is a fraudster it um, walks around pretending it's a happy drink it doesn't last very long and it does it is a neurotoxin so it is actually having an impact on us and so now I just think, well, I choose, I choose um, something that makes me feel vibrant. And so I'll just have, um, usually trying to get as much as a low sugar as I can, but sometimes it's just a simple soda water and a nice glass with lemon. Sometimes it's a little bit of low sugar um, ginger beer with a little stir of marmalade. It's quite tasty. Um, just but it looks grown up in a nice glass or if I have a dinner party I'll, I had a really nice story of having a dinner party and just deciding to make a really nice mocktail and I didn't know this woman arrived uh, I hadn't had her to dinner before and she was really nervous about coming in the house because she was worried about the pressure to drink because she told me I've just realised I'm an alcoholic. So she's in that age group we were talking about at the beginning of being in her sort of um, mid-50s and realised she was drinking not just one glass, not just two glasses, but a bottle a night and thought that was fine because, I mean, that's four glasses. Is it really a big deal? Mm, every night is probably... Well, I mean, you just have to look at what they talk about, a healthy amount to drink. You know, the Health Association will talk about what is healthy and what's not. So that's getting on the side of being uh, a little bit too dependent on drinking, you know, alcohol. Um, so, yeah, I think I just choose vibrancy. It's just, Melinda, it's just a habit. It's like, oh, I deserve a drink. Well, why don't I deserve to, I don't know, go for a beautiful walk? I could deserve to... Uh, read my favourite book. I could deserve to have a lovely sparkling water. It's just messages. It's as truly as simple as that. If and no, I don't deserve to drink petrol tonight. I don't think I'll have poison. Uh, no, I don't feel like a carcinogen uh, at the moment. No, I think you know carcinogens for me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> now, everybody, I'm having a bit of a chuckle here because I can guarantee that there are those of us listening, and I'm included. <laughs> 
that it's not too hard to start at four o'clock in the afternoon and yeah. watch the sunset and have a couple of glasses of wine and then go in and cook dinner and you go, oh, whoops, the bottle's gone. And you don't even feel any of the worse the wear for it uh, until the next morning. We, yeah. we, it's, it's habit. Broken sleep. Yeah. Um, broken sleep because it's a, if you have alcohol two hours before retiring to bed, the research shows that most people have a broken sleep. So many women say, oh, I must be menopausal or oh, I'm waking, my sleep's all broken. Well, perhaps look, look at your drink levels. Look at how much alcohol you're drinking before going to bed. We wake up all heated because that alcohol, that fire is heating, heating you up a lot. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah. It's just a habit. Damn everybody. I thought it was menopausal as well, but I think I'm past that. Lucky uh, <laughs> you. <laughs> I had the um the jewel um or bad guys, I guess, of diet coke during the day and alcohol at night. And I thought my pool system didn't stand a chance. No. It was it was doubly doomed. No. Um, so so it's very, very interesting. The purpose I got you on, Cassandra, is I read the opening chapter of your book of Mind Your Drink. And mm. it was a chemical cocktail, everybody. You will never see alcohol in the same romantic light ever again. And if you're sitting out there one afternoon and you're having your glass of wine while you're listening to this. I love that um, metaphor. How's your poison going tonight? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Gee, I think I'll poison my body. What else What else can I do to it? And because, we, it's, you know, people say that, don't they, Melinda? Oh, what are you having to drink? What's your poison? Yeah. But, yeah. And we kind of don't really register it, but it's what's your poison, you know? Well, actually, yes, it is a poison, and I might as well go and um, have rat poison. Yeah, actually, I'll have a drop of rat poison with that, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being dramatic, but you have to be dramatic. The thing that I actually really love is when I see on Instagram, for instance, people, there's a lot of people really big on the sobriety movement on Instagram, or maybe it's just some of the people I follow. And I, I love it when you see the before and afters. So you've got these people, even young people in their 20s, well not 27, say there's this young woman, very beautiful young woman now. She was really quite a puffy wee thing because because alcohol, actually, too much alcohol, it's ageing, it leads to weight gain, that's probably the big sugar levels, or you just get lethargic and don't exercise. Um, overload on your liver, um, you get red skins, blow, you know, red eyes, sorry, red skin. Well, you do, you get, some people have a reaction and get all really, I used to get breakout and kind of red blotches and a lot of nutrient loss. Yeah, it's just, it's not actually, uh, um, it's not a good buzz, really. Yeah, I'm crawling under the table here, everybody. <laughs> well, you're just being educated, that's all. And then it's up to you. You can, you know, keep 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 drinking if you want to drink and drink what you like. The thing is, it's about free choice. It's not about someone legislating you away from your right to enjoy something you like. But it's actually just bringing some awareness. And I think that's the purpose of the book, is to bring more awareness to balance out the messaging that where people aren't getting um, and then you know with knowledge as you know you're a teacher um, education changes lives yeah well I was watching uh, the girls and I started this little campaign as well as watching our tv shows now we don't our television's not plugged in but we do do that streaming well the girls stream yeah. I sit there and watch and it started with many years ago we were watching Big Bang Theory and Penny was never on stage without a glass of wine in her hand yeah. then we watched I think something called Pack to the Rafters and the yeah. beautiful actress there always had a glass of wine in her hand yeah. Yeah. Then, we, yeah. then we went to 800 Words which is that one filmed in beautiful New Zealand and oh. the actors there have glasses of wine in their hand and I thought it is so normalised and so it made me sort of start thinking about our novels. Do we put glasses of wine mm. in, our, in our characters' hands? And mm. then we look back at the, I was telling you before we started that I dictated that little romance in a week mm. and I'm now in the editing process of that. And there were several times where the heroine found herself with the hero having dinners and all kinds of things mm. and there was a glass of wine in her hand. And I was <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> and so you find that you can't have a romantic dinner with a handsome hero and candelabras and him doing the cooking and him naked in an apron and all those kinds of things unless he's given you a nice glass of Sauvignon Blanc um, yeah, to sit yeah. there and watch him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and on a personal note, um, having a romantic encounter after several glasses of wine is not as romantic as if you have it when you're sober. 
Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like people, what's that song, you know, what did I drink and who do, who have I woken up with, you know, for something. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, again, it's it's a bit like, um, say that at the moment cigarette advertising, because finally we've all cottoned on to the health detriments of smoking, right? So they can't market as aggressively as they used to. But have you noticed in a lot of the movies now, um, actors are smoking all the time? Like, chain smoking a lot of them have you noticed that uh, it's yeah. market to us yeah it was really funny I was talking to you about this wonderful queer eye show that my daughters have just introduced yeah. me to and there were two episodes I think with um smokers and I refused to watch them and mm. because we're, we're so trained to say that smoking is dirty and smoking is awful I just didn't even want to watch it mm. but I was I did make the comment to the girls I'm really surprised that they chose people who smoked <laughs> because I didn't think that was good PR and good publicity. It's how, it's how they're marketing. It's how they're they're getting paid by cigarette companies. They're getting funding, and that's how they're getting through the loopholes. But um, I think I think you know the main thing for people is being aware of what is considered healthy. Because if, I think if we can approach it from a health perspective, as well as productivity for writers, because most people will find their productivity absolutely accelerates when they're not distracted or their vibrations not suppressed or when they're tapping into their, you're a big one about your subconscious. You know, when your subconscious is, is not um, encumbered by alcohol. So people like Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, you know, she struggled with alcohol addiction and now does not drink a touch but her connection with spirit god life force is you know a thousand percent huger and she's a very prolific writer so some people have a mistaken belief some writers think it sort of enables them to be more creative well really or is it just they've got an addiction they've legitimized away as this you know <laughs> I, I would challenge the fact that you need alcohol to be um, a better writer and I think it's just for many of us who are interested in health and well-being and feeling great and feeling vibrant, then know, educate yourself. What is um, so the Daily Mail in the UK said that in most countries, low-risk consumption means no more than 10 grams of alcohol per day for women. Um, in Chile, they say that's 56 grams. So different cultures have different kind of caps on it. Here in Australia, New Zealand, a standard drink is any drink containing 10 sort of grams of you know, pure alcohol, and then it's all diluted. Um, so that's really kind of like a small, a smallish glass of wine per hour. Many people drink that small glass of wine fourfold in an hour so they've got too much alcohol in their system because we drink too quick or we drink massive glasses you know so we're not actually mindful of how much alcohol we're putting in our bloodstream and whether that's actually healthy so a great way you can still enjoy a glass of wine but perhaps then dilute it with water make sure many kids will go out and they'll purposely not put food in their system because they know food slows down the absorption of um, the alcohol. So they, they want to get drunk quicker, so they, they drink on an empty stomach. If you want to enjoy a glass of wine, have a nice, make sure you've got food, make sure you're drinking water, slow it down, you know, just sip your glass rather than cough it back. <laughs> Watch your friends, how often they go up for a refill, you know, that's that's the test of whether we're actually mindfully aware are we flooding our blood our bodies with too much alcohol in too quick a time and that's what Aussies uh, Kiwis poms you know we tend to do drink too fast yeah now I strongly suggest everybody that you do get a copy of um, Cassandra's book because it will be a real eye-opener and you will read what it does to your body. It's actually really scary stuff. Um, there's a wonderful chapter there and it's all about the health havoc uh, yes. of, of what alcohol does to you. But then it's also got the healthy nirvana of what happens when you stop drinking. Mm. Now, again, as I've said all along, I've, I got Cassandra on not because... I wanted to talk about alcoholism, but I wanted every one of us to to just be a little bit honest and go and look at ourselves in the mirror and apologise and say, oh, sorry about the poisoning. And yeah. those, those headaches, anxiety, depression, insomnia, mm. aggression, 
I've never had a blackout in my life. Um, but that low energy and fatigue, I think that's very real. I think we do wake up sluggish. Um, now, we here in the Brisbane city, you know, I see people on their bikes. I see them running. I see yeah. them vibrant, fit and healthy. I want to be one of those people. Yeah. And I thought yeah. instead I sit and have a glass of wine and watch them, you know. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Uh, we can all we can all benefit from from listening to what you're saying Cassandra and we can all benefit from reading the book how hard was it for you to write this book because some of it's quite personal well I think for a lot of people I was talking to a friend and he was saying he was struggling to knock back his drinking he's a man in his 50s or 60s and I said I found it really uh, easy when I when I got really pissed off with it when I got really angry I got angry about what alcohol was doing to my relationship I got angry about what it was doing to people around me I got angry about the senseless violence and and the and the kids that are committing suicide or the or the rapes and the sexual abuses at the hands of alcohol I just got sick of the profits of them. So it was actually became, you know, became a passion project. And then I got really excited about discovering the joy of sobriety that no one ever told me and educated me or, or marketed to me that it could be really cool to be sober, which is great with these new articles coming out, like the Australian, um, what was it, the Australian, what do you call it, um, uh, what that oh this is the Morning Herald and they're talking about you know let's change our relationship to alcohol and you've got these really cool people who are now creating like that guy Ben Branson who's launched um, a drink called Seedlip which is a boutique non-alcoholic liquor wow and it looks he's even got tattoos he's got a cat he looks like he's a rock star and he's got a company that's profiting from non-alcoholic liquor well hallelujah I want to support people like that and I want to support people like my daughter who's 27 who doesn't have a mental health issue or, or what she had was an alcohol related disorder so I want to support these kids in sobriety I want to support these kids that don't want to go binge drinking but who, who are tormented by people who call them losers well that's crap the losers are the drunks in our society the losers are the guys vomiting um, the losers are the idiots raging the winners are the ones that are actually embracing um, a sober drug-free life it's you're not a loser if you embrace that so yeah it was quite easy to write um, I wrote it because I wanted to understand why couldn't I control the amount of wine I was drinking why was it so damned hard to stop at one you know why I went to Italy on a photography tour it was a fantastic trip it was so beautiful and then this guy um, kept giving me these shots you know I thought, oh these are tasty these little innocuous little you know very tasty first one's tasty second one's tasty third one I don't remember fourth one I don't remember fifth sixth seventh eighth I don't remember I do remember waking up and having vomited all over my bed at the age of 52 I mean really do I want to be a 52 year old woman vomiting in my bed and missing my photography tour I was like oh this is come on girl <laughs> I mean how cool is that everybody now I quite often talk to travelers I'm, I'm a bit of a talker quite often alcohol is part of the story mm. and it's interesting you tell these little anecdotes and we laugh yeah. But underneath that, it is really quite scary what we do to ourselves. Uh, the article that Cassandra's referring to, it was in the Sydney Morning Herald mm. and it was called High Sobriety, Our Changing Relationship with Alcohol. And what mm. the, the gist of this alcohol is, it's, it's addressing the grey drinkers and I would put myself um, firmly in that category. And what it's mm. saying is um, grey drinkers aren't falling over drunks or, but nor is their relationship with booze healthy. In recent times, many have been giving up or cutting back. Mm. Being sober is the new black. Mm. Uh, yeah, I didn't fall over that night that I drank too much. <laughs> Everyone thought I was, yeah, what a cool chick. I'm up there late at night knocking them back, keeping up with the bloke. I mean, that's what a lot of women are doing now, keeping up with the bloke. Yeah, I can handle it until I couldn't. I'm damn lucky. If you vomit, you're damn lucky, really, because you've um, taken the alcohol out of your body before it kills you. Now, Amy Winehouse and that other young girl I wrote about in the book who died of binge drinking and many others who have died weren't lucky. They did not vomit or maybe they didn't vomit enough. But they poisoned themselves to death 
with alcohol. So yeah, high five to sobriety. Yeah. Yeah, celebrating our creativity, celebrating yeah. who we are. Uh, you know, we're older women <clears throat> now. I know there's um, some great... Oh, what did you say? Old woman? Older, <laughs> older, <laughs> the duh, don't forget the duh. We're older women. Um, and I look at those, I was trying to think of the movie that came out recently and it celebrated all those beautiful women who we admire and look up to, and I can't think of their names now, the great actresses. You can't think of They're in Mangolia Club. They're in the... Um, but this is this is a really important thing too because I think if you really do want to change your relationship to alcohol, then then look up to people. Find you know. So I talk about strategies in the book to to help you kick the habit, and I've had some fantastic feedback from people who've struggled to give up or moderate. Um, so I talk about changing, you know. Alcohol is a negative addiction. So so find a new obsession, you know, change it, like get drunk on writing, you know, just do more projects. You want that wine and reward yourself with a passion project. Um, for some people, like Sir Anthony Hopkins, he was a really destructive alcoholic and he channeled it into a new obsession for painting. So he paints as his hobby to get, to get rid of any sort of chaotic emotions. He puts his chaos on the canvas. Um, some people, one guy hadn't written for, for so long. There may be people listening who haven't been writing because they've been drinking. <laughs> so, so he suddenly, he, he nearly ended up in prison because he had a drunk driving accident and nearly killed a man. So it's quite a serious thing. And he suddenly, he said he feels like he's reborn now and he's writing again and he's blogging and he's getting involved in new passion projects. So this is the important thing. It's about the joy of being sober and what you can discover in that free time with that new energy that you haven't just poured down your neck. Yeah. And the money. <laughs> I think it's the stages of life. I'm, I'm in my own life now. It's, I've gone through a stage of my life where, where you're a mother and you're there for everybody else and mm. else and you're holding things together. And it, look, sorry, everybody, but a glass of wine at the end of the day helps. Um, but I'm now entering a new stage of life where I want that energy back. I want to be able to do all those things. Um, I think I've had Jennifer Gale from Fit and 50 Plus as we try to get me on my bike and, and riding. And yeah. I strongly feel if I'm, if I'm feeling those kinds of things, there are lots of us out there. And it's not as if we're not writing because we've had too many trips it's we're not writing because we've got too much life happening um but that doesn't yeah. mean that a, that um stage two will pass and that there's yeah. there's a new stage coming where we can write more and all that kind of stuff in cassandra's book everybody she's divided divided it into to different categories of, of what we need to address and what we can think about and the kinds of things we can do uh you talk about physical behavioral um social spiritual and emotional and you have yeah. all these Things in your book so everyone if you're if you're struggling or if you're just going yeah I agree we, we don't need alcohol as a crutch and we don't want to poison our bodies with neurotoxins anymore um you know give me my nightly glass of neurotoxin <laughs> with a slice of lemon yeah. pick up the book but at least start to have the conversation because we're all strong women and we're all in control of our own destinies and I think the one thing that you've brought today Cassandra is um other than your passion for your subject and as you warm up you get really really interesting uh, <laughs> is, um, that you can have the conversation and not feel silly about it and I think that's and I, I, what I really like to encourage people to, even if you don't think you've got a problem with your drinking, um, why not? I've got a Facebook group called the Sobriety Experiment. What if you just kind of, just as an experiment, just, just kind of commit to a period of time of um, not having alcohol and just, you know, maybe, maybe start small. Maybe it's just the week. Um, and maybe the wine on Saturday, or maybe it's a bit longer, and maybe just sort of notice. And at first, you know, you might notice how you're kind of craving it. Well, that's really interesting. How come you gotta have a You know, well, it could be a bit of a, a hint, but why not just experiment with the time or get a group of people together and experiment with a few getting together at your righteous group, but you're not having wine, you're having something really interesting. Get creative with your alcohol free drinks. Um, see what that's like because um, I think that's the thing it's just experimenting and like anything learn as Leonardo da Vinci said he learned from his own experience and if he felt better for it he committed to it if you don't feel better for it then don't do it yeah and and we're doing our tidy houses we're doing our 
tidying out our closets and making 30 items and we're, we're eating fresh and organic. No, but I'm reading the book. <laughs> now I'm reading the alcohol book. You know, we can do whatever we want, but I think all, the whole message is taking back control of our lives and, yeah. and saying, hang on, we've got choices here and we don't have to be marketed at and no. told that stuff that looks pretty and looks pink um, is actually a deadly poison. Yeah, and this is the other thing, is just a, it is just awareness. And it's just, I find it fascinating now when I look at ads, alcohol ads, and I look at how what they're trying to make me feel, what often it's inadequate if I'm not drinking because then I'm not, I'm not sociable or something, or I won't be loved, because all the ads are all about trying to put forward the big emotion of connection. And who says that I have to have, you know, the latest Chardonnay at $25 a bottle in order to have connection? You know, so it's quite interesting just just looking at the way they try to manipulate you because that's what they're trying to do. And they're putting all these sort of special drinks right near the counter when you're checking out from the supermarket. You know, just notice they're not kind of where the veggies are, where you can bypass it. It's right, right in your face. So, you know, just notice how manipulative they are to make you do that impulse buy because many times that's what we're doing. We're just, we're not even consciously aware of, oh, just grab that. Oh, yeah, just knock that back at 4 o'clock. Um, so I think that's quite, you know, have a bit of fun with it. Um, and, yeah, and, and maybe just, as I say, experience the joy of sobriety. And I find it really super easy now um, to not, I don't even really think about it at all. Yeah, and I, I know more and more authors who I connect with are actually saying no. They don't make a song and dance about it. You wouldn't know that yeah. they didn't drink. But yeah. quite often there's been... Are they boring? No, 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 at all. Um, and there is a quite often there's been a scare that have made them yeah. make that choice, which is which mm. is really sad. And um, in your book, you talk about the links between um, cancers and yeah, breast and, cancer, yeah, yeah, yeah which thing. is scary as well, and yeah. and the damage it does to your liver and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But on a positive note, we will end this on a positive note. Yes, is, indeed. Um, Cassandra comes from the land of the long white cloud. Is that what they call New Zealand? And Aotearoa. It, yeah, yes. and it is known for the most beautiful Sauvignon Blancs in the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we make some beautiful, we do make some beautiful yep. wines. And we also make some beautiful non-alcoholic liquors too. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, and where can we find you? And, look, there are some great books there, uh, everyone. Don't forget if you're you're looking to find um what is it mid mid year um, midlife yeah midlife um career changes um finding your passion uh Cassandra writes very well on creativity and artistry and all those kinds of things. And mindset for authors, the prosperous author, millionaire mindset. Um, and this is the thing with the alcohol books, you know, it's all about mindset. But, yeah, you'll, you'll find me. I mean, all the writers should, should somewhere have an online presence like myself on Amazon and some of the best bookstores and my website, CassandraGaysford.com. And I do invite you, uh, Instagram um, and Facebook community, the sobriety experiment, where we just share positive stories about sobriety. And um, yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. And I hope that in some way, perhaps it's just encouraged you to just just reconsider your relationship to alcohol and um, maybe experiment with a period of more joy. Yeah, and everybody, uh, to celebrate this whole conversation that just took us an hour, but we probably could have said in two minutes, stop drinking, you're poisoning yourself. Uh, yeah. I'm going to ask Cassandra to sponsor Rider on the Road for the month of September while we really, really bring home this message of mindful drinking or abstinence from drinking. Mm. And let's see uh, how we go and see if we can bring in some heroines who hasn't, haven't got a glass of wine in their hand. Well, actually, because I did in one of my books, she, my, one of my heroines doesn't drink. He said, I'll give, give you a champagne. She said, no, thank you, I don't drink. Yeah, I mean, how cool is that? I mean, who's going to buy that? We better. <laughs> married by Christmas. Um, yeah. I think it was that one with the art therapist. That's right, um, I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> now, remember, everybody, Cassandra has been on the podcast four times, not two, but time flies when you're having fun. Uh, and we'll hear more over the month of September. Thank you again for... Uh, Cassandra and thank you very much for that book because I think it's something that the more that we talk about the more that we can help uh, I think our kids coming through although they're pretty savvy and switched on some of them anyway they may not need our messages uh, so that's it from Rider on the Road for another week and it's bye for now.